This is Hubwonk. I'm your host, Joe Salvaggi. Welcome to Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston. As we approach the 2020 academic year, many tens of thousands of students will be considering how they will pay for a college or graduate school. With the price of many graduate schools exceeding six figures per year, a new model has entered the student loan space that may help incoming students substantially reduce the cost of new loans. My guests today are Chris Abkarians and Mikhail Argawal, founders of Leverage. While considering the enormous cost of financing their own business school educations, Chris and Mikkel came across the idea to build a platform to find better student loan rates through aggregating their loans with other students. Now, two years after graduating Harvard Business School, these founders have a successful resource that is helping graduate, undergraduate, and even student debt refinancing students learn which lenders offer the best rates for them. When we return, we'll be joined by Chris Abkarians and Nikhil Argawal, founders of Leverage. Okay, we're back. This is Hubwonk. I'm your host, Joe Salvaggi. I'm now joined by Chris Abkarians and Mikkel Argawal, founders of Leverage. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Yep. Okay, guys, let's start at the beginning with the uh, concept of Leverage. You are newly admitted to business school. You're considering how you're going to pay for this uh, education. And you came up with the idea of Leverage. Where did it begin? We had a... We were in a group chat full of admitted students and a few students from Israel mentioned doing something like this. And they have been doing it for a number of years. And that's what really prompted us, hey, why don't we do this in the United States? It operates at a much different scale than it works at in Israel, but we were able to apply a similar concept um, back then. All right, you were having a conversation with fellow business school acceptees, uh, and you came up with this wonderful concept that was being used in Israel. Uh, let's take a step back. The college application process can be a bit Byzantine. Why don't you give us some background on what is the process for getting a loan for graduate school? Sure. Happy to take that. Uh, so you get admitted and then you get a tuition bill with living expenses for 110 grand, and then you freak out for a few minutes, and then you try to figure out how to fund it. And the way it would work before leverage is you've got two options in the marketplace. One, you can either go with a federal student loan for grad students, um, or you can get a private student loan. And federal student loans are, the price has been set by Congress. It's not based on your personal credit risk. And because of that, people who do have good to great credit have many opportunities in the private markets to get a loan with lower interest rates. Um, and so that's the real dichotomy to break down. We are really focused on identifying people who are better off in private markets and on helping them get the lowest possible rate within that. And the way we do it is over the last two years, we've developed a lot of different channels through which once you get admitted, uh, we will find ways to get in contact with you and let you know that Leverage exists. And the way to join Leverage is to sign up on our site, uh, just giving us some basic information about who you are, where you're going to school, how much money you'll need, and your self-reported estimated credit score. And then it, from your perspective, you don't really need to do anything else, and you're not obligated to take a loan, and you don't pay anything. 
We in the background spend a lot of time negotiating rates and terms with a large number of different banking partners. And after a few months, but well before you actually have to give money to the school, we'll send you a link to a deal that we've exclusively, exclusively negotiated for you and your classmates. Well, that sounds very useful for a prospective graduate student. Um, but before leverage, or for those students who are not availing themselves of leverage's help, uh, are they more or less on their own? Are they, in a sense, negotiating on their own behalf? That's exactly right. So you would maybe do one of two things, either talk to your school's financial aid office first, and that's what most people would do. You'd most of the time uh, be provided with a list of anywhere that somebody has borrowed from in the last three to five years without any information on which lender is better than another or who's better for you. Uh, and then you'll often go look at a few different websites, maybe submit a few applications, but have a real hard time comparing what your options are. And our goal was to really just take that a few steps further, but find out who the cheapest provider really will be and to simplify that quite a bit. Okay, I'm sure our listeners who value simplification of a very complex process will welcome that part of the value proposition. Now let's talk about how you use uh, the aggregation or the combining of loans to find or negotiate a better rate for those students. Uh, talk more about how that process works. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the core of this entire process is an annual auction that we run between different lenders. So we spend most of the year cultivating relationships with different banks, credit unions, non-bank fintech lenders, and we tell them about what we're working on. We give them regular updates on the total size of the negotiation pool we've put together. Uh, last year, we closed over $100 million worth of loans, and this year, we'll hopefully do a multiple of that. And when you have a much larger number like that, you're able to attract the attention of everybody within the lending institution. And then they're willing to negotiate on the rates and the terms that they'll provide to members of your group. And we compare the best possible offers in a very structured RFP process, uh, and then select one or more winning lenders who create the most value for our group. Okay, you aggregate the loans after simplifying the process. Uh, sounds like a, a wonderful uh, value proposition to students. Uh, forgive me for asking, but why is it that universities, including Harvard Business School, why aren't they doing that on their prospective students' behalf already? That's a great question. There's some complication to what schools can and can't do. So let me step back a little bit. In 2008, there was a Higher Education Act uh, got passed, and as part of that, there were limitations on what schools can and can't do when they recommend a lender who might be giving great rates or better terms to their students. And so schools have four options for what they can do. They can either do nothing and just tell students, go look up online what your options are. And that's what 50% of schools report doing. They can provide you with a list of anywhere that somebody has gotten a loan from in the last three to five years, which is honestly, not helpful at all. They could, as a third option, direct students to a third party list that somebody else has put together. 
but there are so many restrictions on how that list can be put together that there isn't one that currently exists that we know of. And the fourth option is that the school could do what we're doing. They could, for their cohort of students, run an RFP process, identify a lender who's offering better rates and terms for their students and make that available. But the whole process is pretty onerous, so very few schools actually do it. And when a school does it, they only get the collective bargaining power of their own students. And what we found is that by applying that same concept across all schools simultaneously, we're able to use that increased bargaining power to drive rates down substantially further. Okay, but there's a risk to aggregating all students because they don't share the same risk. Uh, business school graduates, or particularly Harvard Business School graduates, may have uh, a lower risk profile than other graduate majors in other schools. Uh, so how do you see your addressable market? You've already said some students are better suited to going through federally subsidized student loans, while others with better credit risks might be served best by leverage. How do you see the loan universe breaking down into where leverage is the best alternative? It's a great question. And I just divide that into a graduate conversation and an undergraduate conversation. So in the graduate space, our focus has been on people who can benefit from lower rates in terms through private lenders. And that makes that is in large part us, business school students, law school students, lots of nurses, physician assistants, masters of engineering degrees. There's a very large number of people who fall under that umbrella. Uh, and then in the undergraduate space, there is a different regulatory dynamic. And that, by that, what I mean is there's a cap on how much any student can borrow from the federal government directly um, for undergraduate. And those rates and terms are actually quite great for people, regardless of how good your credit is. But the caps are quite low. And after those caps are hit, there's hundreds of thousands of people who then borrow an excess $10 billion a year from private markets. And that's where we think we could have as much of an impact, if not more, with our existing model. Uh, and the reason I say that is when somebody hits that cap in the undergraduate space, and there's $10 billion in this market every year, people are typically finding out where to get more loans from through direct mailers, and they're doing very little actual comparison shopping. So we hope to both solve the problem of making it much easier to comparison shop and then allowing you to get access to a group negotiated discounted rate. This seems like a very powerful tool for prospective students and current students. Uh, how old is leverage? Well, we know two years. Only two years. So you guys are on a uh, meteoric rise to uh, uh, fill this space. Um, when we talk about the origin stories of, of leverage, uh, of course, you went to school in Boston, uh, but what made you choose to build the company here in Boston or, or Cambridge, as it were? Chris, you want to? Yeah, happy to. There's a, a lot. So there's, I'd say, two major factors besides uh, the fact that we'd already started here and we actually love the city and the state. One is a surprising amount of the private student lending industry actually started in Massachusetts. One of the first private lending companies that uh, in the early 2000s was based out of Marblehead. There's a lot of other companies and a lot of some of the more 
senior executives from the space who actually live around the area. We've met over the last few years, which has been uh, very interesting for us. We've been able to get a lot of advice and help from people who've done this before in different environments. And the second is, if you want to run a business that uh, helps students, there's not really a better state in the country where you can get in touch with and communicate daily with more students. If we want to do customer discovery and learn about somebody's purchasing decision and process, you can just, at least pre-COVID, go to any coffee shop and tap anybody on the shoulder and have a five-minute discussion. So it's we're very lucky to have uh, to be in a state where pretty much all of our customers live in. And let's hope we can get back to uh, being in coffee shops sometime again soon. Uh, and it's good to hear the praises sung of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. I think you also had some help from Harvard, the Innovation Lab of, uh, associated with uh, the, the university and, of course, the business school. Uh, how did the Innovation Lab help uh, your business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think I'll chime in at any point on this. But the between the Harvard Innovation Lab uh, and the Harvard Business School's Rock Center, which provides you with just lots of resources of getting in touch with other people who've started companies in the Massachusetts area, as well as across the country. Uh, we've been able to really just avoid a lot of mistakes we might have otherwise made uh, along growing pains. Uh, I'll say that what we would add to that is whether we talk to professors or whether we talk to any of our classmates and alumni, uh, getting in touch with the people that we need to speak with at different companies that we want to work with has been much easier than if we uh, did not have the privilege of that experience. To make that a little bit more tactical, um, I remember the earliest days of Leverage, right? This is like uh, late 2018. We, we just wanted to register the company. Right, a simple thing like registering the company. I uh, wanted to make sure we do it right, etc. And the Harvard iLab introduced us to the Harvard Law School Transactional Law Clinic. And they helped us get all this done in the right way. And sometimes we speak to other companies who are just starting out and they might spend $5,000 out of the gate just to set up their company. Um, and back in that day, you know, our 2018 budget was $0, our 2019 budget was around $50,000. Spending 10% of our budget on setting up the company would be pretty hard to, to bear. Again, another excellent account of how important synergy is in a place like Boston or Cambridge or Massachusetts, uh, helping entrepreneurs like you get the business started. Now, I want to return back to Leverage's concept of aggregating loans. The magic of Leverage is to aggregate loans to build market power. But even within a group of loans, whether it be a business school loan or a, uh, any other type of loans, there's still a range of risk within those loan pools. How does Leverage help banks understand the differences among pool members to better assess each individual borrower's risk? So the really important thing to make sure I get across is our goal is to get you as a member a better rate through the group than you would be able to achieve by yourself. People will still get different rates depending on their personal credit background. And you're not liable for something if another person in the group defaults on their loan. The broader purpose is that there's just a lot of value to be created by 
aggregating you with a lot of people with a similar background to you, and you can all collectively get a better rate than you would have otherwise got. Okay, we are a podcast of a think tank, so we're going to want to be a little more precise. Uh, if we're talking about typical students uh, going for a private student loan, uh, by uh, how much or by what percentage or what degree can a typical uh, leverage user uh, get a discount or a lower rate than he would otherwise get without your help? Sure. So two years ago, when we first started this, federal student loan rates were uh, about 7.6% for uh, a loan called Grad Plus. And for the privilege of taking out that loan, you had to pay north of a 4% origination fee. Uh, the typical rate that we were able to negotiate for our members in that year was 5.25% for a fixed 10-year loan. It basically has the same attributes of that federal loan with no origination fee. And so the average person in our pool that year was borrowing about $65,000. And that meant that over the course of that loan, they would save $13,000 in total interest and fees. And that dynamic is one that held true again last year. It's a bit more complicated this year with uh, how rates fluctuate due to COVID. But ultimately, we are very focused on making sure that anything that we do offer to people or present to them is going to be a cost saving relative to any of their other alternatives. Now, I'd like to explore a little bit about how the value offered to students is affected by prevailing interest rates. Uh, sometimes they go up, sometimes they go down. I'd like to understand better how leverage, uh, how that relationship with interest rates uh, relates to your value add. Uh, how does the increase in interest rates for students affect your value proposition? Uh, do they go up as interest rates go up or uh, how would that work? <laughs> so uh, our impact is, so federal loan rates kind of set a benchmark and federal loan rates are set by Congress as a set amount margin above what a 10 year U.S. Treasury trades for in the month of May. Um, and it's kind of it just sets at that number for the next year. And so our value depends on kind of where that number gets set each year. And in some years, we're able to, it gets set rather high. We're able to, for the next year, create a lot of value for a lot of students. And in some years, depending on what that looks like moving forward, we might be creating a lot of value, but for a smaller group of students. And so, uh, it is heavily tied to uh, what that number ends up being. But overall, uh, I'd say as long as there's multiple competitors in the market, uh, the more competitors there are, the more value we're able to create by driving down rates for the end borrower. Okay, we're getting close to the end of our show. So I want to ask, uh, of course, how do our listeners who are intrigued by the value proposition of leverage, how do they find you? And of course, what's the profile of the student that you believe Leverage can uh, best help? Yeah, so in terms of finding us, leverage.org is the best place to find us. You can sign up right on the website. We have a completely online process to help you. We do a ton of communication over email and the website, and that's sort of the, uh, yeah, it'll guide you through the process that way. In terms of our best you know, who we can help the most. It sort of changes from time to time, right? Or it has changed from time to time, but currently leverage has 
been able to negotiate a deal across all of the segments we spoke about today. So that's undergraduate students who've already hit their federal caps, as well as graduate students who are, you know, I would say most graduate students who are not medical students. Um, and then finally, we didn't touch upon it in this discussion, but we also have a refinancing product, which helps pretty much anyone who's already graduated and has a steady income. It's good to know that your services may also benefit those who have graduated and uh, have a substantial amount of student debt to pay off. So that's good to hear. So we're at our final question, and uh, I want to offer you uh, uh, the opportunity to project forward and tell us what you think uh, the potential for leverage and your technology and your model uh, offers beyond student loans. Is it sky's the limit? Great question. We've been testing. We got a lot of requests from people uh, every now and then to negotiate everything from group mortgage rates to auto loans to insurance. We're definitely testing quite a few things simultaneously right now and can't wait to let you know what comes next. Okay, that's great. We're going to invite you both back on the show uh, when you've taken over a few more uh, spaces with leverage. So thanks for being on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, Joe. This has been another episode of Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute. I'm your host, Joe Salvaggi. If you enjoyed today's show, there are three ways to support us. You can give us a five-star rating, you can offer a review, or you can share it with friends. If you have suggestions, ideas, or comments about the show, you can reach me at hubwonk at pioneerinstitute.org. Please join me next week for another edition of Hubwonk.